Hello, and welcome to the Real Estate Investors Lounge. Join us as we cover a multitude of real estate-related topics with some of the brightest and most experienced minds in the industry. Our goal with The Real Podcast is to provide information, strategies, and insight on how to navigate the current and upcoming Canadian market. We use the experiences, knowledge, and the expertise of our guests and professionals in the field and offer it all back to you, the listener. We hope you enjoy the show. Be sure to check out our website at www.reilounge.ca. We're your hosts, Brian Fitzgerald, Erica Spencer, and Jay Shaw. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Investors Lounge. My name is Brian Fitzgerald. I'm sitting in with Jay Shaw, and Erica Spencer is on assignment on the tip of Brazil. Have we figured out where she actually is? It seems, Brian, every time we do a podcast, she's always on an assignment. I just received a postcard today. She's in Brazil teaching Spider Monkey Sign Language. So hopefully she gets that sorted out real soon and they can t- all talk to each other and then we can get right back to real estate. Anyways. What on, else did her postcard say? Uh, love. Uh, tell Jay I love him. That's about it. Did though. she teach you any sign language in that postcard? <laughs> just, just just some drawings. Anyways, on this episode, we're sitting in with Ron Little, who is an independent independent financial advisor, as well as the owner and creator of Little Financial Base in downtown Hamilton. And you know what they say, a little goes a long way. Ron is going to sit in with us and tell us the ins and outs of why mortgage insurance sucks. So without further ado, uh, Ron, how are you? Tell us a little bit about yourself. I am good. Um, well, what would you like to know? I'm a Leo. That's a good start. That's about it. Okay. <laughs> do right. you enjoy long walks on the beach, Ron? I do. Um, just not the Hamilton Beach. <laughs> not very nice. Uh, I don't like to dodge the fish. Fair enough. Um, yeah. Nope. So I am from Hamilton, lived most of my life in Hamilton. I have three kids. One just started college. So exciting time. One in high school, one in grade eight. I had to think about that one. And uh, one in college. And uh, I've been coaching soccer for probably far too long. Um so other than that, other than, you know, enjoying my wonderful clients, soccer, kids, music, that's about it. And walks on the Hamilton Beach. Awesome. Wait, slide that one in there. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think you have a kind of what a lot of our listeners have, the typical busy, you know, just-in-time life, you know, balancing work commitments, um, you know, family commitments, extracurricular, right? And then just trying to find a little, carve out a little bit of time for yourself. So, I mean, I don't think you're a lot different. I mean, a lot of our um, listeners are probably listening to this either on their way to the office, on their way home from the office. So, um, yeah, like, I mean, I, I, I don't think uh, that's too different from where we are. So um, we want to bring Ron on this evening just to talk a little bit about kind of, you know, mortgage insurance and a little bit about his background um, you know, in the industry. So Ron, how did you get started in this line of work? Well, actually I got it started. It was a fluke, um, because I really never wanted to sell life insurance. I know it sounds sexy to a lot of people. Um, but for me, it just didn't really hold any appeal, but, uh, I was getting married. I was working dead end jobs and I realized 
that uh, I needed to actually get a real job. And uh, I talked to my dad's good friend who was about to sell me life insurance because I was getting married and basically just said to him one day, you know, Mohawk College has an insurance program. You know, I hear they have a 100% placement rate. I'm thinking of taking it. Do you know anything about it? And he said, yeah, that's car and house insurance. What do you want to do? And I said, well, really, I want to just get a job. And he said, uh, hmm, so you want to take orders? And I said, no, not really. <laughs> and he said, do you like money? I said, I do. I like, you know, investing money, saving money, you know, making money. And he said, well, that's what we do. And it was a company called Standard Life. And he said, when you get married, basically come see me. Because at that time, believe it or not, they really didn't like to, uh, to hire people that were single. They wanted you to be married because they felt it was more stable. And that was the beginning of my illustrious career. Brian, did you see what Ron did there? How he, he slid it in ever so subtly? Is that he was buying life insurance before he got married. I was uh, never given that advice when I got married. I don't know about you. That's actually good. No, no, it's kind of brilliant. That's actually put <laughs> thinking he's ahead of the curve, I think. I so brought him on the podcast, right? He's like wise beyond his ears. He's a trendsetter. <laughs> he's a trendsetter. I really, I just needed a job. Eh? <laughs> so, well, but it worked. Hey, hey, hey you got to pay the bills some way, so that's good. And so... Uh, currently, what markets are you operating in? Um, I, I work a lot in the family market. So I'm big on the family market and between family market and business owners. So in our industry and probably a lot like most other industries, um, everybody's always looking for the quote-unquote big fish. Um, you know, I come from Hamilton when Hamilton was actually a steel town. So blue-collar stuff's always appealed to me. Um, I actually like going out to people's houses and you know making sure mom and dad have enough coverage or they have enough intellect i guess you'd say or knowledge that they know what they need and how to get there so i prefer that um and business owners because as you know entrepreneurs are basically a different breed um, and a lot of times they are overlooked because everybody thinks if you own your own business you're just so flush with cash that Nobody needs to talk to you, and that's not quite the truth. Usually it's the exact opposite. So generally, family market and small business owners. Very cool. Um, and Ron, just I think like part of the reason, you know, we wanted to bring you on uh, tonight is, you know, back back when Eric and I bought one of our first houses, which was probably, I don't even remember, um, I think you were one of the ones that really kind of, I think you were probably the first insurance agent that we had met with who really articulated the, the pitfall, uh, sorry, the pitfalls and the limitations of mortgage insurance and why it was not a good, uh, product for us. So maybe, um, you know, I think like what we wanted to get into from the outset, walk us through why mortgage insurance sucks. Well, how long is the podcast? <laughs> as long as you want it to be. Perfect. It's your soapbox. Make it happen. Yep. <laughs> well, there's nothing on TV tonight, right? Um, listen, so there's, there is a number of reasons why mortgage insurance, in fact, does suck. Um, probably a couple of things that people don't realize is 
the banks make it easy for you to just sign on the dotted line when you do your mortgage. And I assume most people will go to one of the big banks and do their mortgage, um, specifically first-time home buyers, because they don't really have, I guess, the other circles or the other people that will advise them to work elsewhere. So the bank basically just, it's an add-on. Like when you go buy a car and they add on the extended warranty, you know, and, and they're doing it generally because they get credit for it, not because it's right for you. So in the bank, it's more of a one size fits all solution. And with us, it's more tailored. And there's numerous, numerous reasons why that is. Um, one of the big reasons is your health. So when you do your bank mortgage insurance application, one of the first things you know, people always assume is, well, it's going to pay. If something happens to me, it's going to pay. But what they don't realize is generally they answer probably about five questions. And if you answer no to the questions, you get you get the coverage. And people go, oh, it's great, I'm covered. But when you actually read the fine print, really what you're covered for is who knows. Because what's going to happen is if you die, if you're a 35-year-old guy and you pass away, most 35-year-olds do not pass away, well, not till they're 85. But they put you pass away, and generally what the bank will do then is then it goes to the claim service. And they actually underwrite you at time of claim. They check out your health, and then you find out that, well, this guy had cancer. Oh, well, we only did this mortgage insurance on him three years ago. He must have known. And if you really can't prove that you didn't know, they can deny your claim. God, I, I used to have a file, I actually still do at my office, of articles of people writing in to, I think it was Linda Leatherdale. I don't know if you remember her from the Toronto Sun. Um, that is she, a great name, by the way. Yeah, I, and you know what? It, it, she really was a, a writer. She wasn't like at the brass rail. So. Um, so she basically wrote these articles about people being denied. And a lot of them were because the husband died. Believe it or not, when you die, aren't you assuming that the insurance is going to pay out? Isn't that the whole reason to get it? And what would happen was there would be, quote-unquote, a pre-existing condition. Well, they didn't ask the question, so they never got the answer. So they, they basically underwrite it at time of claim. And that's a big thing because, you know, you think right now, we have two kids now, do you not, Jay? We do, yes. Yeah, and you got, you know, you got some overhead and, you know, you take one of you out of the picture and all the things that you're still planning on doing for those kids still have to be done and yet you still have to make income. Well, if the insurance isn't there, but you thought it was there, you're going to be in a whole world of trouble. And when you go to the bank and they say, oh, it's, you know, it's, you're covered, you're covered, you're covered. Most people believe them. So what the insurance company does is when you buy mortgage insurance, quote unquote, uh, we don't call it that. We call it term insurance. We underwrite you at time of application. So we take a basically what I call a snapshot of your health right now. Depending on the amounts of coverage, depending on your age, underwriting requirements are different. But generally, nowadays, you will see a nurse. Um, a lot of times they'll take blood. They will ask you questions about your health, about your family's health, like your you know mom and dad, brothers and sisters. And they'll take a snapshot now. 
they either approve you or they don't. If they do and something happens to you, whether it's a year from now, a decade from now, 15 years, whatever, they pay. It doesn't matter that, you know, a month after buying the insurance, you know, getting the policy, everything's in place, that you have, you know, a heart attack, keel over after you open your visa bill, right? You keel over and you're, you're done. It doesn't matter. They're still paying. With the bank, they'd go, wait a second. Come on. Obviously, he had some sort of heart condition beforehand. And they would find a way. It's actually called the weasel clause. That was the actual term that was given to it, the weasel clause. And that's the most important part is the underwriting is, to me, what completely differentiates one from the two. So that is the major thing because everybody forgets that part until you need it. So that's that's probably the major one. I mean, I can go through probably five other ones if you'd like, um, but that one is, to me, the major differentiation. Um, I think the biggest thing that, that our listeners don't realize is that when you're buying mortgage insurance through the bank, who's the beneficiary? The bank. So you're not insuring yourself. It's not life insurance. You're insuring the mortgage, meaning that if you die, the mortgage gets paid off. That's it. If you buy it through an insurance company, your beneficiary will get a check. Now, that leads into the reducing term coverage is what it's basically called. You know, most people will start paying their mortgage down. And if you're paying $50 a month for, you know, mortgage insurance for a $300,000 mortgage, and in five years that $300,000 mortgage might be two hundred and fifty, dollars and you're still paying fifty, you're actually paying more for less you die with one payment left on your mortgage it pays that payment off where with an insurance policy if you're insured for three hundred thousand dollars and you die your beneficiary gets three hundred thousand dollars if they have one payment left they still get three hundred thousand then the market today with interest rates the way they are you get a check for three hundred grand and owe two hundred thousand dollars on the mortgage and you might say well wait a second like in your case, you might say, I could buy another five houses. You know, somebody somebody else will say, you know, I can invest that into, you know, my business or RSPs or TFSAs or my kids' education plans. And I can continue. I can cover the mortgage payment. It gives you choice is really what it gives you. And it gives you the choice to name your beneficiary, which is very, very, very important. I think that was the big thing that, like, when Eric and I met with you, um, that was one of the biggest things that, you know, you stressed upon us where it's like, don't go to the bank and don't, you know, don't do path of least resistance when you're meeting with the bank where the, the sheets there, all you have to sign is the documents and, you know, in the statement of adjustments, it'll all be kind of blended in, right? I mean, you focused on, you know, the flexibility for us and for our family and, and, and that really kind of went a long way with us, right? And like, you know, we advise Brian and I now, like, I mean, we advise our clients all the time. It's like, you know, when you're going to meet, you know, with the bank to sign the papers, don't take the mortgage insurance, right? It's important that you meet with, you know, um, you know, your financial professional, um, you know, and talk about life insurance, right? Because, I mean, it's not, you know, it's not as taboo as it, as it once was, right? Um, no. I, so, you know, go ahead. I was just the other, bringing up you and Erica, for instance, I mean, you know, if you're both are on the mortgage, with the bank, if you both 
happen to pass away in a car accident, for instance, because you might actually still like each other enough to go out together. Um, and you're going out together and something happens and you both pass away, the bank pays the mortgage off. So your two kids have a mortgage-free home, right? With an insurance company, we insure the lives. So you're insured, she's insured. So if it was a $300,000 mortgage, it would pay 300000 on your life, 300000 on her life. So the kids would actually get a check for $600,000. And it's one of the very, very, very few things in this country that's 100% tax-free. Wow. So that's also a very important one. So, you know, you guys probably still like going out with your wife. So that's, that happens, right? Like that does every, every once in a while. All time. Yeah. Once in a while, right? You know, and listen, we better switch gears here. Cause I, I don't know if you can hear that in the background. I think that's Brian. I think, uh, I think he fell asleep over there. Brian, no, hello? I'm, Are you I'm awake? still stuck on the weasel claws. I can't believe that. <laughs> Honestly. Got to spell it over there. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So, Ron, just uh, I guess, like, I mean, we've talked, I think you've done a pretty good job, you know, talking about uh, why mortgage insurance sucks. So um, I think that's the end of the podcast. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) But uh, talk to us about some of the alternatives that that are out there, right? Just in terms of, um, you know, some of the alternatives that you offer your clients and why they make a little bit more sense, right? I mean, you've talked a little bit broadly about kind of, you know, the concept of why mortgage insurance isn't the best, but what are some of the types of products that you might recommend to someone that may have multiple properties? Yeah. So generally, um, to cover mortgages, we use life insurance. 99% of the time we use term insurance, so either a 10-year term, which means that the premium is guaranteed for the 10 years, or a 20-year term. There are 30-year terms out there, but if you think back on your own life in the last 10 years, I bet you it's changed just a little bit. Um, so most people don't lock in the premium for 30 years because they're constantly changing. Um, however, people also forget about disability insurance. So for people that are working for themselves uh, that do not have benefits with their company, which nowadays really not many people, unless you're working for the government or you're a teacher or uh, something like that, do you have decent benefits? Uh, disability insurance is another one. Uh, you have to be able to make the mortgage payment. So if you get injured, get injured playing hockey with the boys type of thing, because you know you're 35 and you still believe that you can skate like a 18 year old and throw body checks, and then you realize that your back says I don't think so, and you can't go to work, you're going to lose income. Specifically, as a small business owner, you're going to lose income because you're probably the guy doing the job. So disability insurance is a big one. It'll cover you through accident or uh, injury or illness uh, 24-7. So that will actually cover what you lose in income, enable you to continue to pay the mortgage. Uh, and the one that's that's basically now is the one that a lot of people are starting to hear about, but it's actually been around for probably close to 30 years now, is uh, critical illness insurance. Um, and critical illness insurance is exactly that not a disability plan Uh, a lot of people basically pretty it up and say oh it's going to take the place of disability it's not if you break your leg it's going to pay out it's literally you have to be critically ill so the four major ones are heart attack cancer and stroke those are the four major illnesses most companies offer packages that cover anywhere between 21 and 27 illnesses but they're all the same illnesses 
So there are actually universal definitions. So when they say, oh, ours covers 27 and is only covers 21, they're actually the same. Um, however, if you become critically ill, you have a heart attack, you know, and you got to go in and have a quadruple bypass, you make the claim. 30 days after the claim is made, if it's a covered critical illness, the policy pays out, pays out lump sum tax-free benefit. So, you know, 15, 20 years ago, if you had a heart attack and they said, uh, hey, Jay, you got a quadruple bypass coming out, um, you uh, better go see your lawyer and get your affairs in order. Now, you have a quadruple bypass, six weeks later, you're playing golf. However, you've lost that money that you've, you know, might have been working towards. You have to pay somebody maybe to look after the kids, to clean the house, to wash your cars, your many, many, many cars that you own, um, you know, things like that. Or it's minus 40 here. And you go, I, I would really rather be walking on the beach and not Hamilton Beach, but somewhere warm to, you know, recuperate. You could use that money to do that. You know, cancer, sometimes here, we have to wait six months to get treatment. And we live in the proximity to, you know, Western New York. You can cross the border and for 10 grand get the treatment tomorrow. And if you have that pool of cash sitting there, you can use it. That's probably the biggest one, specifically for young people, uh, because you are more likely to suffer a critical illness than you are to die, young people. So that's those are probably the three that I would look at um, right away. There's different types of life insurance policies, and I don't know how much you guys want me to put you to sleep with all that stuff. But there are different types. But those are probably the three types of insurance coverage that I would focus on if I was um, a young person or if I anybody really getting into business or or trying to protect their family or their assets. Yeah. No, there's no sleep in here. Actually, this is this is kind of interesting. You've you've piqued my interest on a subject that is typically not uh, does not pique my interest. So it's actually pretty good how you're breaking. <laughs> no, it's 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 great because I don't know if I'm like the majority of the listeners, but certain subjects can be a little a little tougher to to handle but this is actually really good because you're talking literally about the nitty-gritty and the ins and outs and almost kind of like the dirty side of mortgage insurance that I think like myself and I know Jay's been been with you a little bit um, but I don't think majority of people understand these things or that these are actually happening after they sign these documents like this weasel clause you're talking about or or when when the underwriter is actually going to uh, deny your claim that it's actually well after you sat down. So it's, that's kind of crazy. It's eye opening and slightly disappointing. So, but not for, not, not you. A little Just, scary. Eh? It is a little scary for sure. It is. Um, so to brighten the mood a little bit, um, Ron, <laughs> a lot of our listeners, uh, not all of them, but I'd say a majority of them, their goal is to leave their nine to five job and move into full-time investors. Um, from your perspective, why is it important that they speak to somebody like you about life insurance? And I know you touched a little bit up upon it for the entrepreneurs, but just in general, those people um, that aren't full-time investors necessarily, but what's the advantage of speaking with you versus somebody else? Or Well, I mean, with me, it's, I don't know if you realize this yet, but my outstanding charm, uh, that's probably the biggest, biggest advantage of speaking to me. Yep, I'm drawn um, in. Well played. <laughs> yeah. Good job. You know, it's, people don't always get it at the first meeting, but, you know, sometimes it just takes over. Um, you know, truly, so 
I think what a lot of people forget. So there's two types of people, one that believe in insurance and one that, that doesn't. They just don't. And you're never going to convince them, um, but you can educate them. And some people think as they get older that they can't qualify for insurance. Other people think, you know, when they're 30 years old, 40 years old, they can always qualify for it. A couple things play into it. One is health. You might be, you know, a superstar triathlete right now with absolutely no issues. And a month from now, you could be told you have a tumor. Uh, you can't wait because that's usually we get the call. So I've got many calls um, where they say, hey, I'm healthy, but oh, okay. You ever had this? Yes, I've had that. I've had a quadruple bypass. Oh, um, oh, I had testicular cancer. Oh, oh, I had high, I got high blood pressure, high cholesterol, but I'm good because I'm on pills. And you're like, oh, okay. Um, generally, at that point, if you can get it, it's going to be rated, which means you know you're going to pay quite a surcharge. Um, so the whole point of that is you get it when you're healthy, when you're young, when you're you know taking care of yourself. It's good to get. A, it's cheaper. B, you can pass all the underwriting that you need to pass, and you have it. Once you have it, it's really you are in control. If you wait the other way, you're basically at their beck and call. So life insurance is about health, and believe it or not, it's also about finances. So a lot of people don't realize that you actually have to qualify financially as well. So you're allowed so many multiples of what you make. So if you make $100,000, you know, to get a million dollars of coverage is nothing. But if you make 15000 and you want $2 million of coverage, um, unless you can show some major, major reason why, like you, you know, own a property that's worth $1.8 million or something, and, you know, you have another $200,000 invested somewhere, you don't, you actually won't qualify to get that coverage because financially you don't qualify. And a lot of people don't realize that part there. That's a major one. Um, or there has to be an insurable interest. So there's a lot of people um, back in the day, right? A lot of um, moms stayed home. They didn't earn income. So people think, well, what do they need insurance for? Well, they need insurance because they're taking care of your two kids. And if they go, you're going to have to pay somebody to do that. But they don't earn an income, so how do you value it? But because there's insurable interests with the kids, with their, you know, everything they do at the home, um, they actually put a financial number on that and they say okay so she will qualify for this amount of coverage so i think people have to look at that and then when you're also looking at disability coverage disability coverage is basically uh, formulated upon income so if you don't have income you won't get the coverage so basically disability is after tax so if you make a hundred thousand dollars you'll qualify basically for two-thirds the number is something like 67 point something percent. But the reason for that is it's paid tax-free. So basically it's discounted for taxes. So if you are leaving, you're about to leave your, your job, so to speak, and you're making an income and you're getting your T4 every year saying that, you know, you've got this employment income, that's the best time to get it. Especially if you know you're going to be leaving in three months or six months, you get it then because when you leave, not everybody's going to make money right away. And that's the major thing. So it covers you before that. 
critical illness insurance, people generally don't buy it in million-dollar blocks. So usually you can still get that, but disability, it's, it is really income-wise. So that's what you have to always look at. Okay, interesting. Interesting. That's really interesting. I had no idea that uh, income was a major factor in terms of uh, qualifying. But I guess it makes sense, right? Because, I mean, if you're, you know, like you said, like if you're, you know, not making any money and then all of a sudden you want to go get a $2 million policy, like there is the potential for, you know, taking advantage of, you know, what's meant to be, you know, there for protection purposes. And and believe it or not, it it does still happen, obviously. Um, So, yeah, people don't realize that type of thing and you know when you're going into business you know you're probably going to start racking up some sort of debt so you know people think well i'll get insurance after i rack up the debt okay fair enough but you know if you can't qualify health wise you won't or what happens if something happens to you before you get towards the application right and it does happen it happens all the time that's why you see all these gofundme pages yeah and is there no follow-up, like when you're talking about the income and that 67%, is there no follow-up afterwards? Um, no. There, no, okay. Awesome. Nope, unless, so So yes, and uh, that was a definitive no on my part, but so <laughs> if you have, for instance, on disability policies, disability, I, I equate disability policies to buying a car, so you can get the base model or you can get all the bells and whistles, and all the bells and whistles will cost you. But the one... Um, sort of rider that we always suggest putting on there is what we call a future insurability rider. So for a lot of people that are just getting started, for instance, um, you know, maybe they only qualify for say $3,000 a month in benefit. But if you have this future insurability rider, what it does is at certain times, it will actually give you the option to purchase more coverage, but without proving medical insurability. So, you know, if something happens in your health, and most people don't get healthier as they get older, that's just the way it is. It, you know, you just don't. So if you have this future insurability rider, your health won't make a difference. You just have to qualify financially. So if you start making more money in this rider, you know, you get your little statement saying, hey, you know, hey guys, you can buy an extra $500 a month this year. It's going to cost you an extra, say, $20 a month. You just have to prove that your income qualifies to do it. You don't have to qualify health-wise, which is very important. Okay. Do you have any appointments available next Tuesday, Ron? Uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Oh, yeah. Don't worry. I'll make it work. Yeah, no. Yeah, look at that. Always always closing. In yeah. the middle of a yeah, podcast, you, you're always closing here. This you got to do it, stuff, eh? Right? You know? Especially when you got little ones to think about now. So the, the game changes. I might as well do it while I'm healthy. Yeah, the game change is huge. Yeah, for sure. So, Ron, what, like, I mean, we've talked a lot about, you know, the different types of insurance. So, like, in terms of the most valuable, like, I mean, I guess it's, you know, subjective, but, like, I mean, you have a lot of experience having been in the industry for a while. What would you say is the most valuable type of insurance a self-employed person should have, whether or not they're a real estate investor? Okay, so first of all, I think you just called me old, um, but that's okay. No, I'd call you old. Yeah, fair enough. Well, yeah. But you're not. I, I was not trying to call you old. I'll tell you when you're old. <laughs> Don't worry. My kids tell me every day. Um, so, you know, it's it's that's a hard one to answer. Um, and I, you know, I don't know if you know I'm going to run for politics too, but um, I won't take the hard line on anything. 
Give us the long answer, Ron. Well, you know, I, I can do that. But so basically, it really, there is no one definitive product that is most important. It all depends on the person's situation. So, you know, with a guy that is not married or has no obligations, no kids, nothing like that, I would say disability coverage or critical illness coverage. If they're really young, I would probably do both, quite frankly, because you could get it at a good price um, and would cover basically everything they need. Because at that point, really, they're not, they're not leaving anything to anybody anyway. But if they get hurt, they're covering themselves. If they get sick, they're covering themselves. So in that situation, I would say disability slash critical illness. In the situation where it is, you know, a mom or dad and they're supporting two or three people, I would probably look at life insurance right away. Uh, and then if I could do it, because it all, you know, I, I can give you whatever you want, but you got to flip the bill. So, you know, it's great for me to say, well, you know, it's going to cost you $4,000 a month and that's what you need. But if you can't afford it, you have to prioritize. So, um, I would probably say, you know, you'd probably look at life insurance and then, then maybe getting some sort of, sort of form of disability. It may not be everything you need, but it'll cover some of it. So I think it depends on the situation. And that is where when you meet with somebody, for instance, like me in my position, um, we're not the bank. It's not a one-size-fits-all. We're not sitting there going, we need to see, you know, 15 people a day to make sure we hit our bonus levels and all that stuff. Um we're, we're getting paid for doing the job for you. If we're not doing the job, we're not getting paid. Uh, so we, we want to make sure that we're covering your needs. But I also would tell them that, listen, you know, six months, a year down the line, we got to revisit this. Then we're going to have to do this, this, and this. So I don't really think there's one, one solution. I think it just depends on the actual situation. I've yet to run into two that are the same. Right. No, for sure. I mean, that makes that makes a, a complete sense. How often, like, I mean, just going back in terms of like how you mentioned that you're reevaluating constantly. How often do you typically meet with your clients? So, again, it's it's more on the clients' um, say so. I guess you'd say there's some people that you know they'll buy life insurance once in their life. For instance, if that's what you're selling, if you're doing life insurance, they'll buy it once in their life, and they really, you know, they don't want to talk about it again. Uh, but generally, I try and at least contact someone once a year just to make sure, you know, like, hey, things are still good. You know, in, you know, in my case, I started in the business. Two years later, I bought a house. You know, um, two years later, we had our first child. Two years later, we had second child. Three years later, we had our third child. You know, in less than 10 years, my life went from, you know, basically me and my wife to, you know, surprise. So every time that happened, I had to reevaluate. So literally I was my best client for a few years, but you know, I was, you know, constantly buying coverage because I needed to, because my needs had changed. My needs had, you know, grown. And that is generally how we do it. So anytime there's, there's, there's a material change. If you buy a house, if you, you know, have a baby, if you, you know, change jobs, a lot of people forget about that. Change jobs. A lot of people go, oh, I got group coverage. I don't need that coverage. Yeah, well, group coverage is pretty much bank coverage. 
right? They can change it anytime they want. It's not portable. With your own stuff, it's portable. It goes with you wherever you want. You don't have to requalify. So it really depends on the client. Um, usually people that are sort of in growth stage, I will see them or talk to them quite often. It used to be we had to call people. Nowadays, um, most people don't want to be called. They want to be texted or emailed or whatever else they want. So um, usually anywhere from twice a year to once a year to sometimes, you know, every couple of years. Just depends on the client. So you're basically providing a tailored service as opposed to the, the group coverage, which is pretty much generalized for said group. You're just, you're just kind of customizing it for everyone, right? Yeah, it's, and that's probably the best way to put it. It's, it's tailored for everybody's situation. So, you know, and that is, that's important because, you know, if, if you have brothers and sisters, I bet you're not all alike, right? Everybody's different. So everybody needs different solutions. Everybody has different questions. Right. And some people, they just, they don't believe in it. And you're not going to change their mind. They just don't believe in it. Um, usually we find, truly, I'll get calls after somebody close has passed away. Their mom, their dad, their sister, their brother, their buddy. Um, when mortality kicks in. Mm-hmm. Then that same guy that never wanted to talk about life insurance after he bought his original policy five years ago is now going, I think I need to do something. Right. So they forget. Sometimes they forget how important it is. And, you know, we're here to remind them. We're just not here to ram it down your throat. Give you the knowledge, give you the tools. And if you're interested, then we do what we need to do. And if you're not, then, you know, okay. Excellent. So obviously Jay, myself and Erica, we deal with a lot of investors that are, buying multiple properties, how, how should they be protecting themselves, maybe maybe even their assets, or better yet, insuring themselves for the future when it comes to seasoned investors? So are we talking like life insurance-wise? Yeah, or even life insurance, but also covering the properties that they've acquired. Kind of, you touched on it a little bit before. Um, well, when we I don't want to go back to the weasel clause, but kind of in that in that realm but uh yeah i guess for themselves more than anything yeah so i guess the easiest way to do it so if if you're 30 years old 35 years old so you probably see in the paper all the time about the dad that passed away in an accident and you know had four kids and he was the best dad and this and that and and you know you always read them and you, you feel you feel awful and then, you know, to help the kids, we've set up a trust fund and a GoFundMe page. And, and people go, wow, like, that's it's amazing. And you know, it is. But if you put away, in that case, about $30 a month, if you're a non-smoker, 30, 35-year-old male non-smoker, you can get probably 500000 sometimes a million dollars of coverage. So my suggestion to anybody that is going to be buying multiple properties I would think of a number that I'm comfortable with paying and I would buy as much insurance as I could. And if it doesn't really matter what type, I mean, and I don't mean like, you know, there's whole life coverage and there's term insurance and there's universal life coverage. Um, I would buy the biggest amount that I could buy that I could financially afford and qualify for. That's what I would do um, because that's going to cover you now and in the future. You can always drop it down. 
You can always do that. I've never had anybody do it, by the way, but you can always do that. And that's what I would do, and that's what I would suggest. And do it now. Now, the other little thing about term insurance that uh, people don't understand or maybe just have never heard of it is it's called um, term, but it's called RNC, which is renewable and convertible, which means it automatically renews after the term's done. But it's also convertible, which means it can be changed from term insurance or converted from term insurance to whole life or to universal life somewhere down the road without ever proving insurability. So it also protects your insurability. You probably won't need $2 million of coverage when the kids are out of the house and, you know, maybe the mortgages are paid and, you, you know, you, you don't have a lot of things to cover, but you're always going to need insurance to cover your final expenses, maybe to offset taxes at a state time. So you have a permanent policy. So you can actually say, okay, my $2 million of term insurance, I don't want it anymore, but I think I need 250000 Okay. So instead of doing term insurance, you convert it without ever proving insurability to a permanent product, which goes for the entire rest of your life. The premiums never change. And you don't have to qualify for it again, which is important because you may not be able to qualify for it. So there's that. that's how I would look at it. Buy as, as much as you can. I wouldn't worry if it's term. I wouldn't worry if it's whole life. I wouldn't worry if it's universal life. I'd buy as much as I could afford, make sure my family's covered, make sure my future needs are covered, and then work backwards. Okay. Sounds good. It's it's so easy for you to talk about it, Ron, just like, I mean, because you've done it, you know, for a while, but I think, like, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head you know, a few minutes ago when you talked about that, you know, no one really likes to talk about, you know, more morbidity, right? Like about death. And obviously if you're buying life insurance, it's for the end, right? But then, you know, you, if you don't do it early, you know, as you get older, you tend to, you know, you get older, you know, some people may or may not be in the best of health. And obviously then your premiums go up and it's kind of like, you know, it, it kind of is like a snowball effect, right? So it's, it's, you know, I mean, it just, it makes so much sense to do it now. And then, like you say, like, I mean, start it and then you can always add more coverage to it. Right. And then at the end of the day, if you do it now, and I mean, one of the things I think, um, you know, um, you were, you know, pretty good at uh, recommending to us is just, you know, uh, the different riders, right. And like the return of the return of premium rider. Right. And maybe you want to talk a little bit about that. Cause I think that's a good one too. Right. Cause everyone thinks, well, I don't need it, and, you know, why would I pay all this money and stuff like that? Yeah, and, and you know, it's, that's actually funny because I, I do hear that all the time. Um, and then, you know, I say to them, you know, well, how many times do you claim on your car insurance? Oh, I never have, but you're paying 200 bucks a month. Oh, but that's not a waste of money for a $15,000 car. Okay. Uh, but if you only have one life, one thing we do know is you're going to die. Everybody's going to die. So we know that eventually you will claim. Um, life insurance is not for you. It's for the people you leave behind. Um, return of premiums is actually a rider on critical illness. So what that basically says is depending what type of policy you buy, um, I'm big on the, what we call term to 75, which means the coverage is in place until you're age 75. If you never claim, so if you never have a critical illness, um, and you still have the policy at age 75, policy ceases, but you get your premium money back. So it's almost like a forced savings. So it's 
truly no lose. If you pay the premium and something happens, they pay the benefit. If nothing happens, they give you your money back. And that's tax-free so, as well? Yep. Well, wow. because you've already paid with it after tax dollars, right? Right, right. Wow. Yep. So it's it's something, I mean, you know, if you're 55 years old, you're not going to buy a return of premiums because it's too expensive. If you're 30 years old, 35 years old, you're probably going to buy it because it's for savings. And I know, you know, a lot of people say, yeah, but, you know, I could use that money for this, this, and this. But you're like, okay. But 65, 75, 80 comes quicker than you really think. So it's a no-lose situation. And uh, I highly recommend. So when I'm seeing people, I highly, highly recommend the R. We call it ROP. That's just our little acronym to make us sound smart. Um, ROP on critical illness insurance. So that's a big one. So I would uh, I would look heavily into that if I was, you know, buying critical illness insurance. Okay. All right, Ron. We're going to jump to what we call our fire round. Um, so I mean, we ask all the uh, all of our guests that come on. We ask them a series of questions. Um, you can be as short-winded as you'd like. Um, I know you're auditioning to uh, run in the, uh, in the upcoming election, so we'll go easy on you. And the other piece, obviously, some of these are, are geared towards real estate. We know, um, you know, you're not an investor, so we'll go easy on you on this round. Um, okay. Fair enough. Question number one. <laughs> okay. Question number one. Um, where do you see the insurance industry going in the next 12 months? We typically ask a real estate question, so we'll just change it and we'll say, where do you see the insurance industry going in the next 12 months? Um, more electronic, as you are well aware, um, because I believe both you and Erica laughed at me. Um, Erica, probably a little louder and a little longer um, when I pulled out the life insurance application. Because you can buy a house on your phone. We still do everything, believe it or not basically paperwork-wise. And there are guys out there who say, oh, no, no, I use the electronic application. Yeah, there are a few companies that offer them. But now, with the way technology is going, they're finally going, we have to make ours better and easier to use so guys can actually either take their tablet or their their laptop and, uh, and do it that way. So I think technology is starting to play, finally, a bigger, a bigger part of the process. So I think it's going there. And I think the other thing is, Term rates, so term insurance rates continue to drop um, because, believe it or not, people are are living longer, and a lot of people are actually living healthier lifestyles. And so a lot of companies are going heavy on the preferred rates. And preferred rates, you have to qualify for a preferred rate. You either get it or you don't. You meet a certain criteria. Uh, But if your family history is really good and your height, weight, and your health history is really good, you could qualify for a preferred rate, which means if I quote you $30, you might come in actually at 20. So those are the two two aspects I see where it's going. Okay. Where would you like to see yourself both personally and professionally in the next 12 months? Oh, man. So professionally, um, truly, I would actually, it's funny enough, I would like to uh, incorporate technology a little bit more. You probably don't know this because you've probably been Googling like crazy trying to find me on on, on the internet it's almost um, like you don't exist it's almost like i don't exist. you need to, you need to at least get a web page <laughs> no no he doesn't want to be uh, he doesn't want to be found there you know remember that there he's, he's oh, there it is and 
multinational conglomerate. Yeah, another insurance agent doesn't <laughs> want to be located. Uh oh. Yeah, exactly. I know. You know, <laughs> I'm, just I'm just I'm just so busy. Yeah. Um, no, I mean that's that's important. It's something that I have obviously, obviously neglected. Um, truly, because two reasons: one, um, I really haven't had to have one, uh, but the other reason is um, it's kind of intimidating because you don't know. I've seen bad web pages, and they're always the ones that stick out to me. So I want to make sure when I do it, I do it right. That's professionally, I'd like to get more electronic and more into 2018 and not, you know, 1985 type of thing. Right. Um, personally, my daughter has just started uh, Mohawk College. My son's in grade 11, and my other son's in grade 8. So personally, truly, I want to spend uh, as much time with them right now as I can because I pretty much know in a little while they probably won't want anything to do with me for a bit so uh personally that's where where i'd like to be okay uh who do you learn from so you're saying i still have a lot to learn uh you're we're always learning ron <laughs> always every day is a lesson that's, your well, kids will you know, be teaching you things soon like how to use your iphone you know, they'll teach you stuff like that. Ron still has a flip phone there. Little financial is, uh, is moving into the 21st century. With the, with or without the By the way, the I had to borrow a phone to call in because I still have the dial phone. Yeah. The rotary? The rotary phone. The rotary phone. Yeah, rotary yeah. Phone. yeah sorry, the rotary dial phone. Yeah. Um, who do I learn from? So, truly, um, you actually hit one of the nails on the head. I actually learn a lot from my kids. Um, I learn all about the world today, which is different than the world I grew up in. Um, technology is changing at an unbelievable pace. And uh, it is funny that Jay said a flip phone. I don't actually do have an iPhone, by the way. I really don't know how to use all of it. Um, and my kids are sort of my tech gurus. Um, I was a big BlackBerry guy. I know that's hard to believe. Um, but uh, I learned from my kids. loved my BlackBerry. I loved my, BlackBerry. I, I my BlackBerry until probably about five years ago. And when I had to give it back because the company I was working at switched from BlackBerry to iPhone. It was like my hand was shaking. I was like, you know, but I've had this for so long. And now, like, you know, having an iPhone, it's just like, you know, I'm like, how did I live with this without for so long, right? So, anyways, I'm yeah. a BlackBerry guy, too. Yeah, BlackBerry. I love BlackBerry. Yeah. But, you know, the other people I learned from are uh, truly my clients. Um, because people think that, you know, I'm coming in with all the answers, but sometimes, well, you guys know part of the sales process. I think the best people that are in sales are the people that listen. I think that's what is different between a good person doing sales and a bad person doing sales. The guy that just keeps talking and talking and talking isn't really doing what he should be doing. You actually have to be listening to people. And when you listen, the things you can pick up, um, I find unbelievable. So, Ron, um, I guess the next one we'll go into, like, um, in terms of reading, what are you currently reading? Um, and if you're not a reader, which podcast are you currently listening to? Yes. So, um, you mean other than your podcast, right? Bingo. Oh, good. You got the uh, you got the shameless plug we gave you. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> now I get my, my McDonald's gift card, right? Um, yeah. So... Reading, actually, most people don't believe it, but I read constantly. Um, I like books that take my 
mind away from business and politics and not that I am actually running for politics, but you know, it's every time you turn the radio or the TV on, it's, you know, Donald Trump, Doug Ford. Um, so I read a lot of, um, the crime stuff, John Sanford, um, James Patterson, which is really like mindless stuff. Uh, but I read a lot of that stuff. Um, book I just read a little while ago that anybody that grew up in the Hamilton area and likes music is, uh, Tom Wilson's book, the former lead singer of junk house. Phenomenal book. Um, 250 pages tells you all about his life it's it's unbelievable you'll probably you won't be able to put it down great great book so that's what i'm reading right now podcast wise truly i i do listen well i listen to yours uh i told you i listened to a few of the episodes today um they were actually really good i was surprised erica must have a lot of input um that was my shameless plug for Erica too. So, um, podcast wise, do you actually, she, you, she's busy. Where is she again, Brian? Uh, Brazil, uh, monkey sign. Language. Right. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I knew that, but, um, it's okay. <laughs> um, I don't do a lot of podcasts, but what I do do is, um, have you ever heard of a guy named Gary V Gary Vaynerchuk? If you have not, you should look him up. He's phenomenal. And uh, a guy, actually a real estate agent uh, from New York, a guy named Ryan Serhant. I don't know if you've heard about him. Name sounds Really familiar. good stuff. Really, really good stuff. Um, that's the kind of stuff that um, I'll either listen to or, you know, I'll watch here or there on YouTube and I'll read the books. So that's the kind of stuff I do. Cool. And based on our discussion this evening, what is holding you back? from jumping into real estate investing yourself? Well, um, I've never been approached. What? Wow, nothing, eh? Oh, geez. Jay must be sleeping over there. I think he is. I call bullshit, Ron. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Truly, um, it's something I have thought about. Um, But kids, that's held me back because paying for school now um yeah that's it's probably all excuses because probably all the excuses you always hear um but yeah that's probably pretty much it just you know probably too comfortable and not prepared enough to break that comfort zone and and take the leap so to speak and i still do believe in rsps and stuff like that that you guys slammed on one of your episodes but that's okay it's all different for everybody (laughs) Making friends and enemies. It's the bank employees we don't like, Ron. We like the we like the independence. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a place for for you know both. How's that? And, and there, there's definitely like, a place for both, right? And I know we, we tend to be a little bit harsh sometimes on you know mutual funds and RSPs and that. But uh, I mean, truly, we do believe that there should be a balance between the both, right? And I mean, just my background in finance, like I mean, I've. I did what you did, right? I, I took all the same courses, right? So, I mean, you've, you've obviously kind of continued and taken a lot more than I did, but I mean, I took the ones to get licensed. But I truly believe that, you know, Canadians should have, you know, um, a diversified kind of portfolio, and that can include real estate, um, and it could not, right? So, I mean, at the end of the day, I think what Brian and Eric and I do is that we bring on different perspectives, right? And at the end of the day, real estate investing isn't for everyone, 
and that's okay, right? But I mean, we're just here to educate people and talk a little bit about it. And I mean, it's not not excuses, right? Like at the end of the day, you have to be ready, and it is a commitment. So I mean, um, you know, the fact that that you know you're considering it, and there's many people and many clients that we work with that consider it over the years, and I mean, it takes them some time, and you know, eventually when they are ready, they make the jump, right? But I think uh, you know, and you, I don't know if you listened to the episode um, where we had Dave Cockett uh, and his wife Marianne on. And I mean, they are, you know, in their, you know, let's say late, late fifties and, and they started investing in real estate. So it's truly never too late. Right. So, I mean, um, yeah. So, I mean, we just like, we just thought we would ask that question, put you on the spot. No, it's a good question. You know, it's that, uh, if you don't ask, you don't get, that's the old adage of sales, right? Not asking, you're not getting. So why didn't I get the sale? Did you ask for it? No. Well, there you go. So. Yeah. No, hey, it's something that, uh, you know, you never know. It just, uh, time-wise, I'm not sure it's the right time at this point in my life um, with one in post-secondary and one a year away from post-secondary. So I don't know. I guess it's, uh, you know, maybe it's something that I have to consider more wholeheartedly. How's that? Maybe you'll just listen to a few more episodes and uh, maybe the tune will change. Well, I'm knows? subscribed. Yes, and uh, have you left a five-star review yet? Maybe not after we just grilled you. It might be a four-star, but we, we hope you'll give us a five. He's calling from his rotary phone. He can't make a review on the phone, Brian. Just ask your, ch- ask your children to subscribe and leave a five-star review. You know what? I'll have to do that and say, hey, guys, how do you do this? And they'll say, first of all, you have to turn it on. Uh, no. <laughs> Offer them a McDonald's <laughs> gift card. <laughs> I will when it comes. Awesome, awesome. Anyways, Ron, I know uh, insurance isn't always the most sexiest topic, and I know you know it is. Uh, it's it's a tough racket to to be in, but uh, you know we really appreciate you coming on the Real Estate Investors Lounge tonight, talking a little bit about kind of you know your role and kind of your you know uh, what you do and and really how you could benefit our listeners. So I think what we'll do, um, if it's okay with you, we'll put your contact information in our show notes. Um, and if they're interested in kind of reaching out, I know Brian's got an appointment uh, next week, Tuesday. Brian, yeah, are you going Tuesday. in? Might be Thursday. I'm not sure. Yet. Yeah. So, I mean, if you want to double up with Brian, he can uh, probably squeeze you in if people are interested. But uh, on behalf of uh, um, Brian, myself, and uh, Erica, who's uh, teaching sign language uh, lessons in uh, Brazil uh, and couldn't be here this evening, I want to thank you for taking some time out of your busy schedule and, uh, and talking to us about the uh, – the wild world of insurance and why mortgage insurance sucks. Sucks. No problem. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks, Ron. Appreciate it. Great deal. Okay. Thanks, Ron. All right. Take care. Anytime. Bye-bye. All right. See you guys. Bye now.